0: Big ups to our sponsor Organifi. You guys hear me talk about them all the time. You know why? Because they're awesome. I take two of their products almost every single day. That's the Organifi green juice. Usually take that in the morning. It's got a little matcha, all kinds of green superfoods. Super delicious, alkalizing, energizing, easy to travel with. You don't waste money on like having juices go bad in your car. (laughs) Like trying to travel with a glass bottle and they don't let you take it through the TSA, You know, all the issues of being a healthy person and traveling. Eliminated with the green juice. So good. I also like the Organifi Gold. This is what I use mostly in the evening and at night to just relax. It's an anti-inflammatory drink that tastes delicious. It's got tons of turmeric and lemon balm and lion's mane and all kinds of rad herbs and mushrooms in there. And they've also got a Biotic Balance probiotic that's really fantastic. They have a plant-based protein. You got all kinds of good stuff over there. They have a red juice that's made with all the antioxidant-rich fruits and things like that that many of us are missing from our diet. So get over to Organifi.com forward slash Luke and peep it out for yourself. That's Organifi with an I. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke and use the code Lifestylist at checkout, you will save 20%. It's a really great discount. So my top two, again, would be the green juice and the gold. But dig around the site and experiment. Try some different stuff out. Um, Every once in a while, I'll make myself like a big red juice first thing in the morning and uh, make up for all of the uh, pigment-rich fruits that I am not eating. All right. Thanks so much for checking out Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Doing a podcast that focuses much of the time on health, it of course makes sense that I get a lot of questions from people about how to improve their mental performance and function. So everybody wants to know about the new smart drug and the new nootropic and the new fancy thing. And there are some things on the market that work, but there's one thing that's quite old, my friends, that works very well, and that's called lion's mane mushrooms. And my friends over at 4Sigmatic.com have created not only one of the most potent and legitimate legit lion's mane mushroom products, but also one that tastes really good and is really easy to use. Now, they've also snuck a couple other things in there to help its effectiveness, such as organic peppermint, rose hips, rhodiola root, and even a hint of stevia. Now, this one is going to knock your socks off. So if you want brain and nervous system support, if you want an all-natural cognitive enhancer, This stuff's been scientifically proven to boost your memory and concentration. So you can use this when you're doing things like recording a podcast intro or promo, such as I'm doing now, studying, reading, writing, or just chilling out. Uh, You don't actually have to be using your brain a lot to Take lion's mane, it just makes you feel good, it's amazing stuff. So, if you want to check this out, what you want to do is this get over to foursigmatic.com forward slash luke story. That's foursigmatic.com forward slash luke story. If you use the code over there in your cart known as luke story, you're going to save 15% off your lion's mane elixir. So, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash luke story. Save 15% with the code luke story. And here we are popping off with another episode of the Lifestylist podcast. Today's your lucky day. You know why? Because today's show is all about you. At least it's going to start that way. I want to thank you for helping me get to 3 million downloads. Now I'm not there yet at the time of this recording. Let's just make that clear. I just logged into my hosting site and saw that this show, our show, is now at 2,997,064 downloads. So we're almost to 3 million. And right now it's about uh, 10 p.m. Pacific time as I record this intro. I'm guessing by the time I wake up tomorrow morning, we're gonna hit 3 million. And that was my goal for 2019. And you, my friend, helped me get there. So if you're a long-time listener, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for sharing this with friends and family. If this is the first time you're hearing this show, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you a huge ask right now. Now, first, I want you to listen to the episode. If you don't like it, we'll part as friends if you enjoy it, here's what I want you to do. Text or email it to like two or three friends right when you're done. It literally will take you three seconds. And that's the best way to grow a podcast. And uh, the reason I want to grow this podcast is because I want to get more messages from people saying, oh my God, you changed my life. This is such good information because that's what helps me wake up another day and do it again. So thank you so much again. Today's guest. Was actually recorded in Spain on the beautiful island of Majorca at RamaFest. His name is Rich Lister. Now he's not from Spain; he's from the UK, as you're going to find with his charming accent shortly. He's a trained nurse. He's also the founder of Medicine for Modern Times, and most importantly, he's the creative radical rest a program built on top of the Ayurvedic meditation technique known as Yoga Nidra. And that's what we talk a lot about in this episode. It's pretty fascinating stuff. I had not really heard of this whole vibe, but I was interested in Rich, heard him talk, cool guy. I I liked what he had to say. And I thought we got to go deeper into his knowledge base and check out what he's doing. So here's what we talk about specifically. Rich's 15 years of experience in the ER and how it nearly broke him, how ancient, Yoga and meditation practices first made their way to the West and then started finding popularity again in the mid-90s. Why healing your subconscious mind is the root of all healthy living. The ins and outs of Radical Rest, a deep meditation practice that helps you release negative emotions and thought patterns, calm your nervous system, and develop the aptitude necessary to meet all of life's challenges. Bringing science to the esoteric the relationship between the vagus nerve and the female orgasm. I know you're going to listen through to the end just to hear that, whether you're a female or male. We all need to know that. (laughs) What we should know about HRV and the unconscious mind and the subjectivity of trauma and why that matters. So this episode really covers a lot of stuff. You know, it's got the yoga nidra. It's got the Eastern mysticism, but also a lot of Western psychology and really dealing with the trauma. So if you were a fan of my Mastin Kip episode, which was very much uh, focused on trauma and how that affects us in our adult lives. You're definitely going to dig this one. I know that was one of my popular episodes and everyone's going, dude, give me more trauma. So there you go. And you know what? Honestly, I'm 49. I'm going to be, uh, wait, no, I'm 48. I'm going to be 49 in October here, right? If this comes out and uh, it's just, it's actually really annoying today. I was thinking about, it. I thought, wow, God, it's it's like the first 10 years of your life. You know, many of us, myself, included, just get wrecked, right? I mean, your your physical health, you're eating Cheetos and, you know, MSG and aspartame and GMOs and you get vaccinated out the ass and it's just it's just a, a freak show, right? So your body just gets devastated as a kid, at least, you know, depending on who raises you and where. Uh, and of course, during what era. And then, you know, most of us suffer abandonment, trauma, abuse, et cetera. And then if you're lucky, such as I and so many people that listen to this show, I'd venture to say everyone that continues to listen to this show is on the journey of undoing all that shit that happens to you as a kid. So I'm really fascinated by this and also annoyed by it because it's like, God, when is the work done? And perhaps the work is never done. We just keep on learning. But uh, Rich has some really great tools and resources and principles for you guys to help you overcome some of the crap that messed you up in life. And, um, not the least of which being his radical rest program, which is super, super cool. Anyway, before we jump into uh, Rich Lister here, I'd like to invite you to come join me September 14th and 15th in London, where I'll be the MC and a speaker and recording tons of podcasts uh, with people like Dave Asprey and John Gray and a lot of other huge leaders in the health industry. Super excited about that. And then lastly, if you want to support the show even more so than just you know sharing it with some friends, you can always go get all of your health products and biohacking gadgets and whatnot at lukestory.com forward slash store. It's a powerful way to support the show, the movement, support your health, and support really who I think are the, the greatest brands in the industry. Everything on my site is the best in show. It's just top-notch stuff that I use myself or have used at some point and I truly believe in. So if you're into some supplements some biohiking gear and all that again you can go to lukestory.com forward slash store now i'd love for you to join me for some radical rest tips with our guest rich lister rich lister welcome to the show dude great to see you so much for having me yeah, I'm stoked. So uh, you listeners, we're over in, uh, is it in or on, if it's an island? Uh, I guess in and on Majorca, Spain. Yeah. We're here at Ramafest and Rich is one of the fellow presenters and he's on some really cool stuff. So I wanted to sit down with him and, uh, you know, kind of get inside your world and uh, figure out where you came from, where you are and where you're going. So give me a little bit of your your backstory, which I think is fascinating, and how you ended up working within the medical system as a nurse and are now exploring all of these different yogic practices and alternative medicine and what have you.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm a nurse by trade. I've uh, been in the ER for 15 years, and which is a really exciting place to be a nurse because you do all kinds of cool, fun stuff. But the trauma that i saw on the not just from the patients that i was seeing who have been in these hideous experiences um but on the staff that just gets compounded and compounded and compounded day after day i saw this this stress building up that people didn't understand that they they were experiencing and uh after 15 years of that i had a breakdown um which is a very common origin story from what i'm seeing for a lot of people but i broke because i couldn't cope with doing the job i wanted to do in the environment that I was having to do it in because there was no scope for being able to care with the volume of patients we had coming through and I couldn't cope with that. And yeah, I broke. Which as a guy in a emergency field isn't something that was terribly accepted within the environment that I was in because we get on and do the job. The patient comes first. I'm a nurse. Everything comes for, Everything comes after the patient's well-being. So I broke. Um, when you say break, what does that look like for so you? So for me, um, I couldn't literally face going onto the unit, onto the, into the trauma center. I, um, I would shake when I walked on, um, in, in through the sliding doors. My breathing would go up. My um, heart rate would go up and I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to focus, which is quite an important thing if I'm sticking vials of morphine into people with broken hips and things like that. And so I, yeah, I took myself away from it. Did you go and leave? Um, no, I, I literally, might dropped. Out, oh, left, wow. um, and went and in the states we call that a piece out, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> a hard piece so, out,
1: yeah. It, it was hard because, uh, being the stubborn human being that I am, I didn't have anything in place to move on afterwards. And um, I did some training. I um, qualified as a yoga teacher. I'm six seven and three hundred eighty pounds, and so that was quite an experience. You're six seven, yeah,
0: that's crazy, dude. Because
1: yeah. when when we
0: met, I I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Maybe it's because your overall stature is relatively yeah, there's a lot on me. Yeah, you 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 know you're an imposing uh, character, but usually if I run into someone taller than me, I really notice it cuz I'm not that used to looking up at 6'2. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, so
0: so what was it like going to your first yoga class? That was that was being, an experience being because, this bohemian man. Yeah,
1: there was um a lot of very bendy, very blonde ladies which was interesting. Um, I was very lucky because we found a very spiritual form of hatha yoga. And um I think my teacher trained with Yogi Bhajan was best being in Rama in Mallorca. It's a very Kundalini area. And listening to a lot of the teachings he gave us as we we worked and did our practice, a lot of his words echo the words I'm hearing from Guru Jagat and etc. here, which is um, awesome. And so I trained in that. Um, I went and did um, Ayurvedic training, which was fun, because looking at the model that we have our Vata, which spins really high and fast, And if you don't sort out problems with Vata, this air and ether, it gets denser and denser and denser. And then becomes Kapha problems, which is this earth and water, which is like stodgy, big, heavy problems in our bodies. And seeing this model applying to things like this trauma that I'd experienced within the ER and the uh, constant stress that we saw, that I saw there, that people weren't dealing with this. And then we're having nurses and doctors having heartburn and then that progresses to peptic ulcers that progresses down then into lumps and bumps throughout the body that then ultimately progress to things like um in the heart heart attacks strokes cancers and things like that because we don't process out any of this negative emotion and this was my perception of this from that i evaded yogic stuff i uh, learned nidra nidra is yogic sleep which i absolutely loved Yoga, if you um, remember from your classes, you, that bit at the end where you lie down and just breathe deep in Savasana. That's my favorite yeah. pose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah mind especially,
0: especially in Kundalini, like today, doing it out in the uh, plaza. Oh, it's yeah, super it was, hard. like, yeah. when's the gong lie out? Yeah,
1: it's like 100 degrees out there. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. And um, so, so Yoga Nidra is Savasana, big brother on steroids. It's um, big stuff. that goes right into your unconscious mind and helps you process all the stuff you don't consciously know how to do which I love because my conscious mind gets in the way of everything. It um, starts overthinking, it starts processing left, processing right and it's getting in the way of these things. And I saw this uh, with Nidra that it switched off my unconscious mind It lets it go and count stars while your unconscious mind gets to do the, the stuff it's designed to do. And from there, my wife and I moved to Malta, which was an experience. My wife is an ardent feminist and author and we went, moved to Malta a tiny little island off Malta which is about three square miles and it's like going back in time to, to early 80s and the misogyny was um, special and living with a feminist we didn't last very long there because no one would speak to her because she was a witch because she had tattoos they don't speak to me so we moved back and we ended up in Glastonbury and I thought I'll go and be a nurse again and that lasted about 18 months and now here I am in Ildemork, New Mallorca talking to you so yeah it's, it's, it's a journey of self discovery and seeing how i work
0: i think it's interesting that with so many of us that are now committed to and devoted to improving our lives and our human experience yeah. and passing that along to other people that suffer inherent in that 99.99% of the time is an origin story of suffering yes and of abject pain or failure in some area of life or all And out of that is that rebirth and
1: that resurrection. That's truth. Yeah, I I, um, see that in so many people that um, I respect, like yourself. And I see it in so many people who I, who I come into contact with in my private business as well as my nursing job. Because people are broken and you only break when you've had too much. And we don't have the resources in our society to look after that. And it takes... There's a sort of ego buff, it takes quite a strong person to pull themselves from that pain point, from that pit of self despair into a functioning human being that goes, actually learn from my mistakes people and push it forward so you don't have to have the same pain. You can learn from me so I can, so you can evolve beyond my pain, my experience. And I find that when I'm teaching student nurses, if, I can, if they can learn from my mistakes um, clinically, then they're better nurses. They don't have to make the mistakes, which is awesome because it's, it makes a better experience for my patients as well.
0: I think that's also a, a healthy distinction, distinction between the archetypal guru sort of ascended master yes. and student relationship versus someone like you or hopefully myself could be included in that as someone who's a guide, right? Yes. And can say, well... I, I might be 20 feet ahead of you on the path in certain cases. And I know where the cliffs are, and yeah. the roadblocks yeah. and the bogs and the quicksand, right? But I'm still falling off the cliff yeah. here and there too. Yeah, we're right? human.
1: Yeah. And we're the same on the inside. And no matter what else, we're exactly the same. And I'm just a few steps along, just don't step on that thing, it hurts. Yeah. And if I can pass that on and stop someone having the same pain, I think that's a good day. It is a good day. It's a good life too. Yeah. I think it's a good purpose. For me,
0: uh, I feel, I mean, you know, you go through your ups and downs, but generally speaking, quite fulfilled having assumed that role of explorer and uh, at times hitting the barbed wire and figuring out, oops, that didn't work. Yeah. That was a faulty teaching or practice that was invalid or whatever the case may be. And then, yeah, then you can pass it along "Eh, again. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Like, skip that. Here's what really works. Yeah. Uh, Take me a little bit further into the yoga nidra. You know, I've heard that term as a, practitioner yeah. of various sects of yoga over the years. And I've heard that, but I don't really know what it is. Do you
1: know about the origins or um, yeah, how was, deeply have you gone into it? Um, my teacher for Yoga Nidra was really good at taking us deep. Her name is Uma Dinsmortuli and she taught us in a cave in the middle of Gloucestershire in the UK. So yeah, it was um, a special experience. And literally, hollowed out the mountainside, right in the middle of this cave with um, brightly painted yantras on the walls. And yoga nidra started like back in the day, 5,000 years ago with deep meditative practice. And nidra means sleep. So it's the yoga of sleep. Oh, cool. And it evolved slowly as everything does until mid 1950s where it came over, pardon me, to the States where it met the self-improvement movement and the hypnosis movement in California. And But of course. But of course. <laughs> and so these two models of... Uh, trance of meditation of hypnosis started to merge together and because they're the same stuff coming from very different paradigms one far eastern one very western and they melded together and the swamis that brought this stuff over to california then took the hypnotic and hidden hypnotherapy stuff back into darkest um, india where it then evolved again got mixed up and played with and Um, had lots of sanskrit applied to it and things like that and then brought back again into the late 90s back into california where it evolved into the yoga nidra that we see today and there's half a dozen different schools of yoga nidra in our field right now i learned one called wild yoga nidra and that's uma in gloucestershire in the uk and there's there's lots of different other institutes all over and they're all equally powerful because they work on your unconscious mind. And I'm a firm believer that your unconscious mind is the route to all healthy living on this human plane that we're in. Because our unconscious minds, is there programmed at birth to keep us healthy, to keep us safe. And that's its prime directive is keep us safe. And if we can go into our unconscious mind and make sure all the stuff's out of the way of those that prime directive of keeping us safe, then we are happy, healthy, holy, balanced human beings. So yoga yoga, nidra is a really powerful mix of this really ancient yogic meditation practice married with some really cutting edge hypnotherapies, hypnotherapic science and psychotherapy and stuff like that all mashed together through the medium of yoga nidra into a practice that is, I, I find with a lot of my yogis and a lot of my clients is really transformative because it happens on a level where your brain's off counting stars and your unconscious mind can do the work it's it's there to do. And I think that's really powerful. So it's a way that, yeah, you can do the work without actually doing it. And you wake up feeling like you've slept for six hours after half an hour. Wow. Yeah, it's powerful stuff.
0: I think, you know... (laughs)
1: Just when I I feel as though I've arrived at
0: some answer, the aha moment, mm-hmm. I have so many of those conducting these interviews yes. and then even at times listening back to them and catching nuances that I didn't pick up on during the recordings because I'm focused on you know, the process of recording. But the thing that I feel very much, um, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The thing I'm very sure of at this moment is that most of what's troubling us are programs running in the subconscious, completely, um, and 100% then, right, that, yeah. and that all of the you know the early trauma that many of us experience then gets locked in, and then all of these modalities and practices, and all the even some of the more clinical or techy biohacks are really just means by which to subdue the conscious mind and facilitate the healing that needs to take place on the subconscious level
1: yes definitely
0: so some of the things that i've tried for example on that realm would be like neurofeedback and float tanks Mm. and even plant medicines to a degree um, though i have limited experience there but what I do have seem to operate in much the same way where you're sort of whisked out of the way and your personality is kind of yeah. pushed to the side. And then there's... some someone goes in with a big spoon. Yeah, and there's openings and <laughs> yeah. things there, breath work, yeah. you know, the Kundalini yoga, of yeah. course. R- run me through the process of a Yoga Nindra class or session. What, what's this radical rest that you, you speak of? I noticed so, uh, you, you uh, had yeah, posted I like, something
1: about uh, that. I like words. Um, but radical rest... Uh is my version of yoga nidra using lots of different uh, inputs to make it into what I want it to do. So I, I come from a very clinical medical mentality, 15 years experience would do that for you. And I want it to do a job, not just be somewhere where you have a lie down and feel really good afterwards. I want you to lie down, feel really good afterwards, and then know that actually I'm, I'm better now. And uh, so yoga nidra is, um, so that bit at the end of the yoga that I mentioned, where you lie down in use savasana and just mm-hmm. chill out. But need just takes you a bit deeper. So, I would like you, if you get a chance to do it, is make sure you're really comfortable with maybe pillows under your knees, especially if you've got lower back pain, um, blanket over you to keep you warm. Because as you get into these theta state of brainwave patterns, your uh, temperature drops, because that's how it's programmed to. Your body's programmed to do that. So, it heals that way. Cutting out um, external stimulus maybe with an eye pillow or a blindfold, if that's something that um, you feel safe with. So you're in this like, nest almost of, um, of like, comfort being held there with pillows under your arms and bolsters under your knees and blanket over you, and you're tucked in like a, like a little baby in a burrito. And then I start with some hypnotic suggestion and take you down and around your body to get you into your body, which is really powerful, especially with people with um, trauma, with dissociative dissociative. Um, conditions that you actually bring yourself back into your body to experience your body, how how your body feels, and then we get taken to a very deep hypnotic trance. I don't do any post hypnotic suggestion because it, I, I think that has to be tailored to your to the each individual person, especially if you're doing it in class setting. Sure, um, sure. And then you bring you out, and it takes about twenty five half twenty five minutes, half an hour tops, so mainly because I get bored after about that, and. He feels like you've had about three or four hours of sleep minimum. And I've had people finishing work on a Friday night doing it and then being able to go out all night like they've just slept all day. And it's really powerful stuff. Just, it helps your body reboot. It's like a power nap on steroids. It's really good.
0: And how much of it is dependent on the teacher or practitioner and, and how, how deep could one go with the practice on their own? Like in a practice like kundalini yoga, yeah. I mean, if you have a teacher training book or you go online, yeah, you can learn some Kriya and you know, kind of yeah. do your thing at yeah. home if you have that level of dedication mm-hmm. and discipline. Is this something that one could learn or do you need the other person to
1: implement the hypnotic element? I personally feel that because it's a really safe practice and your unconscious mind is designed to keep your brain safe, keep your body safe, keep you safe, I think having it done on podcasts or MP3s or whatever is a really effective use of yoga nidra to help you calm down at work or at home. I've done it with um, corporate clients literally under desks in offices because they're just burned out at lunchtime and they do a quick 15-minute nidra and they're bouncing again straight away ready to go. But you, um, doing it on your iPhone or your iPod or whatever, just put your headphones in, make a nest, climb onto the sofa, whatever, definitely doable. But you do need someone else to read... Or um, to speak the words to you. Got it. Got it. Because you, yeah, you can't do it yourself. The, probably some of the aspects you can probably do yourself, I haven't tried. That'd be fun. So are there apps or podcasts that um, have the guided... Well, Guru Jagat has, who runs Rama, who's yeah. not so subtly hit me over the head with it this morning. So yeah, I need to, there, there will be an app as soon as I work out how to make an app. <laughs> to make great, it. great. And my podcast is Medicine for Modern Times and... Yeah, there are needles on that. Oh, um, there are? Yeah, so yes. you'll you'll, you'll yeah. do episodes where you run people through it and they can There's put it, on yeah, headphones. You put and... on your headphones, lie down. And I like making them prescriptions, medicalized. So I I'd like having Nidra for anxiety or more confidence or whatever condition that someone says, Rich, do this for me. I'll do it because I really enjoy doing it. It's a process that I love. And I u- use it in class. Or I use it um, with the clients. And then it's ready to roll for, for other people as well because medicine shouldn't just be in my opinion for one person it needs to be ready to roll for the collective and if it doesn't work for you great move on but if it works for you grab it with both hands and use it so yeah um, nidra i think is something that should be done with someone else reading it to you or speaking it to you but you can do it by a podcast you can do it via mp3 or whatever it is your medium of choices or do it in class and as we know from the yogic experience if you're in class with 30 other people, all in the same um, theta state of your brainwave patterns. So, in this healing state of your brainwave, then the effects are magnified because you're all in the same space. That energy, that reverb, that revo- I come speak. That resonance is just exactly where it needs to be to help the whole group go. I find that to be true too.
0: Yeah. Like in a group meditation, I do Vedic meditation, and luckily, a few of my buddies also been trained and practice it and so oftentimes when we're together it'll be five or six and someone will say oh man let's meddy you know and then we drop in together and it's always deeper even just with three yeah. or four people you know let alone like a, a large group of people where there's that um, uh, the word you know resonance yes. I guess would be the case right
1: where you all sort of sync up yeah, we're, energetically we're, we're social beings we've got a bit of our brain <clears throat> designed just to read social cues and if, for instance, someone who comes in in their power, like yourself, you come in, let's mess, meditate, and you're powerful, all, everyone else around you instantly will sync up to your brainwave patterns, for want of a better word. So he's safe, he's, he's happy, brilliant, so we can relax now as well. Oh, interesting. And so that's part of our social response. And it's very deep, deep in our brains that we respond that way. So if someone in, in authority is anxious, everyone gets anxious. If someone in authority is calm then everyone's calm. And, and it's a really powerful tool to use, especially when teaching Nidra. Because if I'm chilled out and calm, even when there's an ambulance driving, driving past or doing something stupid or drunk, people are banging on the windows at nine o'clock on a Sunday Saturday <laughs> night. People stay in that trance state, even though that stuff's happening. And as you say, with, when you're doing your uh, meditation with your friends, because you're all of the same... You're, you're, you're strong. You, as a human being, or a strong human being, you're grounded in yourself, you portray that confidence, and it brings you people, everyone, back into that confidence with themselves, and everyone starts resonating on the same frequency. That's interesting. That explains
0: one element of the, you know, the teacher, the guru, and mm. the shakti experience. I've had experiences where I go into class or um, what uh, darshan, whatever the case mm. may be, with a great teacher and I could be very um, perturbed walking in there by whatever and sit in that energy field, and it seems to be radiating from the person there. If they happen to be of higher consciousness, or at least in that moment, radiating that, and that's that kind of magic where you hear stories of spontaneous enlightenment or deliverance from some sort of difficulty, just being in the presence of a master who is so... um, you know, uh, radiating that kind of transformative energy. Definitely. But it, to me, it's always been some sort of woo-woo magic. I know it's real yeah. in some cases, and then in some cases it's bullshit, and the person is just wearing a white robe with a bunch of beads, you but know? Maybe it, it works, not enough, Yeah, it? yeah. You know, but I mean, I've, I've been around some yeah. counterfeit gurus yeah. in India and things like that, and I go, huh, I'm not getting that feeling. Yeah. Someone's wanting money, you know, or yes. something like that. But I've never thought about just the, um, you know, the way you framed it psychologically, how humans are wired to kind of follow the leader, the hundredth yeah. monkey yeah, kind of thing, right? Where we all fall into resonance based on whoever happens to be kind of the alpha in that situation. Yeah.
1: And that's what I like about what I do is I bring science into the esoteric because it's all the same stuff. Like with um, Tylenol, I know how exactly how it works on the body. It doesn't stop it being magic because it takes the pain away. And the use of these techniques, if you see it with, um, with political movements, that if someone presents themselves as the safe person that meets your needs, then people will follow the safe person because my needs are being met to keep me safe, so I want to follow you. And you see it politically, especially in UK at the moment, we've got all kinds of fun and games with people who, be, who are playing to people's unconscious desire to be safe. And that... Desire leads people to make decisions in ways that aren't necessarily in their best interest, but they're feeling safe while doing it. So therefore, I been they've been manipulated into feeling safe. And this is that bit of the brain that goes, oh, I'm safe. I'm being looked after. We're part of a team. We're part of a pack. We're good. We're good. We're good. But then you have people who are using that nefariously. But then you also have people who are taking massively huge steps of power and vulnerability in their message with self-improvement with self-responsibility. And it's coming thick and fast all over the place now because you've got this massive network of humans on this planet with with the internet. And this message of self-improvement, self-responsibility is coming across where actually I don't have to be completely reliant on someone standing behind a podium to feel safe. I can feel safe in myself. And therefore I can be a much more autonomous, powerful human being within that. And then that moves us from this guru teacher place to a place of actually uh i'm strong enough to look after myself and then we're looking at the information and things like that are coming out of the trauma studies um post to iraq and afghanistan wars and how the uh soldiers there are being treated for trauma they are they're seeing how these uh being safe in your body makes much more autonomous powerful human beings and more resilient to traumatic experiences and more resilient to stress, more resilient to anxiety because you're safe in your body and your unconscious mind knows you're safe. Safe, And this is what Nidra, I think, can really help people doing. Not looking at, starting off looking at me, oh yeah, Rich is safe, he's big, he's cuddly, he's, um, he'll, he'll keep me safe. But then by the end of the session, actually I'm stronger in myself. I can trust my body to look after me. I can trust my experience, to look after me and make sure that I'm completely safe within this so I can do the healing, I can do the growth, I can do the work I need to do in this world. That's a cool perspective. It
0: reminds me of one of the most attractive things about Yogi Bhajan's teachings. And that was his infamous quote that he didn't come to the States to gain students. He came to make teachers. Yeah. Right. Is is that that element of personal empowerment rather than the dependency on said teacher beyond just showing you the way so that you can do it yourself. Yeah. And I, I agree, it's really, we live in an interesting time because we have such a vast availability of, uh, to, of to content and yes. information that's transformative. And we have never been in this place before where we have such a vast amount of valid information.
1: And it's valid for, what for you may not be valid for me. I mean, that's the best yeah. bit about where we are because um, Kundalini Yoga may be the best thing ever for me, but may not be yours. Yeah. But it doesn't stop it being awesome because it works for me. But then, your vedic meditation is the best thing ever for you but it may not work for me so it's 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 these knowing that which medicine which tool you can use to heal you right saying to saying people try it if it works brilliant if not there's one over there you can use yeah there's one over there there's one over there or there's ayahuasca or there's modern medicine surgery or whatever it is you need to do to get yourself to where you need to be in the universe yeah
0: and sometimes it's what you need it changes from time to time too. Yeah, it evolves as you evolve. Yeah, there's practices that I swore by for years Mm. and then after a while, I'm just like, eh, I think I'm done with that phase. It doesn't, I've gained all I could from it, kind of, you know, juiced it to a dry pulp and
1: now it's time for something else because I'm in a different place. Definitely, because you've healed that bit of that wound within you or areas that needed um, correcting or um, strengthening and now you can look on to the next practice. And again, whichever way that works for you. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement.
0: There's one question I get over and over again from listeners, and that is, Luke, if you could recommend one product or lifestyle practice to really improve your health without breaking the bank, what would it be? And I have to say, blocking blue light at night has got to be my number one hack. I think a lot of our problems uh, in health really come down to being completely domesticated, cut off from natural light, sun, different temperatures, the earth, right? So if we want to live indoors and turn on the lights at night and go out into the world where there's blue light, aka just really bright, white, unnatural light after dark, uh, it's real easy to fix that. All you have to do is get some blue blocks glasses. You know, Studies have clearly shown that blue and green light at night is a super potent suppressor of melatonin. But the guys over at Blue Blocks have the Sleep Plus lenses that are the most effective blue and green light blockers for after dark use, proven to block 100% of the light in this range, which is super important. So these guys do prescription glasses, reading glasses, non-prescription glasses at a tremendous value. If you want to check it out, go over to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com if you want to get hooked up with a 15% discount, you can use the code LIFESTYLIST. So the code is LIFESTYLIST. The website is blueblocks.com. They have a variety of different styles. And uh, as I said, this is one of my top recommendations, something you can do to really impact your health without spending a ton of money. Just get in the habit of making it dark at night when it's supposed to be dark. And thankfully, companies like these guys are making glasses that don't look ridiculous like they used to when I started out (laughs) trying to block that light at night. So blueblocks.com. The code is lifestylist. And now back to the interview. In terms of the Yoga Nidra, going back to that, so when you're, you know, you're brought through listening to the teacher on, on a device or in a class, and, and it's someone who's trained and understands mm. the kind of hypnotic Seda-inducing words to yes. use or cadence or whatever yep. it is and you're brought into that place where your conscious mind can let go of control and the apparatus of keeping you safe and just allow the subconscious mind to to wander or, and, you know do its work. count yeah. stars yeah. as you said and do its work how does the, how does the healing take place where does the the trauma or the anxiety the depression the PTSD where's that going and is it is it the higher self or consciousness or god that knows what needs to get worked out whether... i think
1: it depends on your perspective of the universe you can put your hat you'll put your healing your journey completely in the hands of god or of the universe or of whatever you want to call it and it does the work when you're in when you're in need you when you're in this unconscious state i believe that um, your body has this blueprint of absolute optimal health locked deep within itself that's in behind a finding cabinet with a box of stuff on top of it hidden and we need to when we go into our unconscious mind in nidra then we can un- un- dig that out and look at it and then compare it to the model that we- we're using right now and go actually rich you're 50 pounds overweight and your shoulder hurts and your knees hurt so let's do some stuff about this and when your unconscious mind is given if not free reign then taken off the leash slightly so it can actually do the work, then it removes these limiting beliefs, these hyper states that we have lurking around in our um, memories and our feelings that um, stop us doing things. So maybe what caused me to procrastinate and not hit the gym when I should have been, could be removed in yoga Nija or be removed by getting rid of that belief that um, I couldn't do X, Y and Z or the uh, decisions that I've made in the past when I I used to be a defensive lineman and I got cut all the time because I'm bigger than everyone and my knees hurt because of that, or therefore I can't run because my knees hurt. But that's that's 20-year-old belief and moving all that stuff around with your unconscious mind so it can say, actually, Rich, you just need to run. And so this unconscious mind has this blueprint to bring you back to optimal health, but it does so by moving the barriers out of the way of your conscious mind. I think I'm making sense with that. The, so the unconscious mind just is shifting boulders off the road. Your conscious mind likes a straight freeway. And where, as we evolve in our lives, we put boulders down there, Landslides happen, there's subsidence, the road gets bumpy, there's traffic jams, there's um, all kinds of diversions going on. And our unconscious mind has the ability to go in and just bulldoze that stuff out of the way, leaving a pristine highway that you can just put the music on and go with. And I think we are coded on a genetic level to be able to heal ourselves in a way that is profound, but we just don't know how to turn it on yet with modern medical science. But, it, but these techniques that are coming from ancient cultures like the um, yogis of, of India and Egyptians and all this stuff that's coming from everywhere, um, the Amazon basin with all the ethnogens that they're using there and things like that, that... They're starting to be refined now into tools that can be used to help us be the best human beings we can. Because so we're at the pinnacle of technology right now. We've got stuff that was, um, would make Star Trek blush that's just been carried around in rucksacks. But we're not there yet with our human experience, with our physical bodies and our health with our bodies because we're still pumping our shelves full of rubbish food and sugar and stuff like that. So I think our unconscious mind has the ability to make sure that we don't make the rubbish decisions that we have in our minds, in our bodies, in our experience as a human because of habit, because of conditioning. And then that would give us the health that we need in our lives. I think I rambled there and hopefully that made a bit of sense. Oh no, I'm
0: with you all the way. That's I mean you do you answered my question exactly. It's it's that so if we have these wounds or these patterns that aren't supportive of the life we mean to have. Yeah. And we're dipping into this state of uh, teachability, vulnerability, uh, the ability to discard that which is not serving us. Uh, my question was kind of who's doing it or yeah. what's doing it, right? It's like, yeah. how, how do we know we're not just lying there going, oh, I just had a nap and nothing happened on the subconscious level to heal me. Yeah. you know? And I think, I think what you're saying is that within our higher intelligence or on a soul level, perhaps, yes. that's really where the subconscious... Does the work. Yeah, yeah. It's the, that, that, that is our higher self and that it's the prefrontal cortex and the conscious mind. Yeah, the
1: gray stuff that gets all the problems in.
0: Right. And so uh, we're, we're, we're moving that to the side and kind of just letting the subconscious mind or consciousness in a sense do what it needs to yeah. do, which is, you know, taking out the rubbish, yeah. as you so would say. If,
1: if you need an appendectomy, you go to the surgeon who cuts your tummy open and removes your appendix. Right. And you trust that surgeon because he's done it hundreds or she's done it hundreds of times. But we don't trust ourselves to do that because our mind is conditioned to be safe and healthy. The safest place for our mind, our bodies to exist is the place of health. But we've been convinced through uh, social media, through advertising that actually, I want to put Frosted Flakes in my tummy every day and I want to drink a load of Bud Light. I want to do all this, that and the other. But actually that's, that's conditioning. That's something putting on, being put onto us. Our bodies know exactly what it wants to have but it's being put through like Instagram filters of the world, say uh, that we have behaviors that we've been conditioned to have, have learned to have that, that makes us make um, less than optimal decisions for our health. And I think that's where the unconscious mind does. We can remove all them Instagram filters and see the world warts and all and go, actually go on the fucking, pardon my French, go on the, um, it's okay. We like, the, uh, <laughs> we like French on the show.
0: I actually met a, a mom here at the festival. Oh, yeah. She was, yeah. And she had, it was really sweet. She had, DM'd me on Instagram a drawing that her kid had drawn of me I was like wow that's so so flattering her kid's a fan of the podcast and then I thought Shit! Wait a minute. Hold your kid. You know, it's kind of an adult themed show, you know. The nine and fourteen. I was like, well, I, I hope you skip the sex episodes because they can be pretty, pretty uh, racy. But um, well, you've, you've got to learn about it from somewhere. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, hopefully, we're doing it in a thoughtful yeah. way. But um, point being, I'm just kind of making light of you dropping an f bomb. Not a big, <laughs> not a big deal. That said, I, I did inform her, and I've told the listeners I, I do make somewhat of an effort while still remaining as authentic as I can to be mindful that. You know, not everyone likes a potty mouth all the time. Okay, so out of this yoga nidra and some other examples of ways that we can heal the subconscious, Mm. we're needing to get rid of these negative patterns that uh, lead us into a life of, uh, you know, dissatisfaction, if not desperation and pain at a certain point of failure. Let's talk about the origins of that, meaning different degrees and different uh, types of trauma that we experience early in life that put that crap in there to begin yeah. with that we then have to spend the rest of our life kind of undoing definitely which is seemingly the path that i'm on it's like it's a, it's a you know the first 26 years just you know i mean there were some good times in there but a lot of damage was done by others to to myself yeah. uh you know both victim and perpetrator all in one in many cases and uh you know then then the years since the twenty two plus years since have been kind of getting to the root of that and undoing it. It's yeah. almost like you mess up your own bed and then you spend the rest of your life kind of learning how to make it again uh, to simplify it so give us your take on on how trauma you know creates these negative patterns in the first place that we then need to go learn how to heal
1: I, th- I think trauma is one of the main causes of problems in our society, Western society that we have to deal with now, and trauma. Is something that's happened to us that is less optimal for our bodies so trauma can be your brother taking your toy when you're three years old and that's the first time you've experienced loss because where's my, where's my teddy bear it's gone or it could be your mum and dad going out for their first date night since you've been born and you don't even remember this but you've been left at home with some weird babysitter who's watching Hollyoaks or watching sitcoms on tv downstairs and you don't really know who she is and then that's abandonment trauma that comes in that way And all these tiny little micro traumas that we don't realize as adults that are things build into our unconscious mind and put roadblocks there or put big lumps of uh, various emotions that cause us problems. And we learn mechanisms to keep us safe within those traumas. So if you've been abandoned, you you perceive you've been abandoned, sorry, because mum and dad went out to um, the movies, leaving with a babysitter, then you, have, you develop a, a skill that says, actually, the babysitter's fed me chocolate cookies, so I'm going to eat cookies for every time I feel abandoned because that makes me feel better. And that amplifies over 30 years, 35 years, and then all of a sudden you're sitting here looking, looking at yourself in front of the computer, going, actually, yeah, this isn't right. Every time I feel like something's gone wrong, I stuff my face with cookies. I do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, and, and, but it's, it's a learned behavior from a really young age. Right. And it's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no blame in this because everyone was yeah. doing exactly the best they could. And the only only responsibility in that is lies with us as adults to go, okay, in myself, I know that I have this behavior where I self medicate with chocolate, or I self medicate with opium, or I self medicate with alcohol, or I self medicate with this because I've learned these strategies throughout life to keep me safe when I get dumped. And therefore, I need to go numb that feeling. Oh, the cookies aren't working, so I'm going to move on to something else. Or, uh, I didn't get the promotion, so I feel worthless. So I'm going, to do, I'm going to go and hit the gym and lift heavy for a week. And then that becomes a strategy instead. So you're lifting heavy, opposed to going down the, par, going down the bar and drinking yourself stupid. So it's, it's how we've constructed these mechanisms to keep us safe that we build the response, our trauma response. And that's on a very um, cognitive, um, subconscious level up in your brain's. But then we have this, have you heard of vagal nerve theory? Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: I, I hear people talk about it a lot, but I don't know much about it. So please so enlighten for, me with whatever for, you've Um,
1: um It's is building on the trauma model yeah. stuff. Um, my perspective as a nurse, we have this big old uh, super highway of nerves going down the back of our neck called our um, central nervous system. And that controls a load of stuff that goes on in our bodies. We are breathing, digestion, heartbeat, and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of things we do consciously like waving your arms about and moving your jaw and all this sort of stuff. But there's another massive nerve that comes right from this like primitive part of the brain right behind your jaw right at the top of your spine and that comes right down in the front of your throat either side. Don't rub them because you'll fall over. If you feel either side of your throat um, there's a little dent and that's where your vagal nerve comes down and that goes down through your heart around your digestive system right down into your pelvic bowl. And they've um, discovered again through funding that's come post Afghanistan war, post um, Iraq war, on these veterans that have come back really messed up by the experiences they've had. That this vagus nerve has a really powerful ability to make sure you stay safe, and that's what it's there. It's this really primitive piece of um, biological technology within our bodies. It's like um, pre mammalian, it's um, almost squid technology Whoa. and it, it's one job this is this nerve from the right like, the really basic bit of your brain that makes you breathe in your heartbeat is to keep you safe and th- that's one of my prime concerns is to keep people safe and by making by looking at how this works like really early on um biological technology within your body looking at actually how does this work this vagal nerve so we know the vagal nerve is a nurse because i use it all the time when people come into the er with um a really fast heartbreak called VT, um, svt and your heart rate's bashing along at 250 beats a minute. And you can resolve that by rubbing the, the um, vagal nerve on your throat. And it Really? And it's the same way Elvis died. He had a massive poo, squished his vagal nerve, stopped his heart beating. What? So it's, um, you know, if you're really constipated, this is a great conversation, if you're constipated and you, and you pass that constipation and you feel really dizzy, it's because you've strained so hard, and you squish that vagal nerve, and your heart's gone, oh, I'm just, just going to relax, I'm going to chill out now. Whoa. Yeah, so it's, this is a powerful nerve that controls your heartbeat. And, but it goes deeper. It wraps itself, wraps itself around your gut. And then we can look at stuff about how micronutrients and um, the gut flora and fauna, which I know you're quite interested in, um, how that affects how we think. Because there's a, another highway. There's a, a road that comes up from your gut straight into your brain, affecting how your brain processes stuff. Because if you're eating less good quality food that you just bought from 7-Eleven or whatever, your gut's going to need different bacteria that's going to release different hormones and different chemicals into your body, which will then directly affect how your brain thinks straight away. So we're looking at that as well, because then we're looking at your stress response from, if you're in a foxhole in Iraq and someone's shelling you, um, you're eating an MRE that's made by the lowest bidder, the quality of the food's not going to be good, so you're going to be more prone to have these stress responses. And then if you're looking even deeper, it goes right down into your pelvic bowl. And especially with women, um, it, it wraps around your ovaries and your womb and your uterus. And when you're having sexual trauma, um, it sends these feedbacks straight back up this vagal nerve into your brain that causes that, getting, that then, again, makes these um, systems be put in place within your unconscious mind. And when these nerves are stimulated, that's, that's a problem.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: and... Um, And completely the other side of that spectrum, there's a study that was done in the 70s and 80s of women who'd been um, had their cervical spine severed in car crashes and stuff, so they complete paraplegic, couldn't move. But they discovered that they could have orgasms, which, um, if you've got no sensation apart from orgasm, I think that that's a a minor win. And but they traced it back down to this vagal nerve that connects from the clitoris right up to this the primitive part of your brain. So there's got to be something in there as well with how your vagal nerve is linked with fem- the feminine orgasm in the in the female experience as well. So there's this really deep stuff
0: there. <laughs> I had no yeah. idea we were going to go here. This is yeah. this is very cool. Uh, so. so yeah, it's all it's trauma, wow. okay. trauma response on the okay. vagal nerve. I totally linked. forgot about yeah. the trauma. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm just on female orgasm. Yeah. I just <laughs> completely switched gears. So I wonder then if this is passing through or going around your heart, this vagal nerve um, or some people refer to it Vegas nerve and it's Vegas with the U S you know, not Vegas like the the crappy uh, city in the United States. No offense to people who live there, but I do hate Las Vegas question. If this controls your heart, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that this is related to heart rate variability or HRV, right? Which is something that I track uh, nightly when I sleep with my little, uh, aura ring here, which can be found on lukestory.com forward slash store. And uh, no, it's great. I, you know, I'm really, really obsessed with sleep quality duration. Mm-hmm. I'm working on it all the time and um, never feel that I've quite cracked it, but being able to track it has helped me be more enthusiastic yeah. about gamifying it. And something that I like to look at is my heart rate variability. And you want a higher number with, I mean and correct me if I'm wrong, or if you can add something to this, but what I'm looking for is a higher number generally not that having a lower number means you're going to die or yeah. something, but if you have a higher variability in your heart rate, meaning that it changes more often and more dramatically, then that's an indication that your central nervous system is at a more restful place. And yeah, you have a more
1: neuroplasticity, so you can re- adapt to change better. Okay. So um, a lot of the studies I read are coming from people who've served in the the forces, um, Army, Navy, Marines, etc. And these men and women who are in stressful situations have really good heart rate variability and they survive and they're the ones that do the job well. Oh, wow. And the ones that come home and live their life normally. But then you have the ones, the people who aren't quite as, um, have that um, neuroplasticity, the ability to adapt their neurology, their um, heart rate variability to the situation they're in because that's not how they're wired. And it's not it's no someone's fault. That's literally genetic markers that say this, that some people have um, different susceptibility to these situations. So if you, um, for your heart rate variability and tracking it, your vagal nerve controls literally down the side of your throat. If you massage it, you can do one side, don't do both sides. Um, it'll bring your heart rate down gently. Wow, really? Yeah, get, Yeah. completely. And you do this in the hospital? Um, you do this on um, both sides when someone's heart rate is oh, stupid okay. high. Do not do this at home. You okay. will fall over okay and yeah then you have to go to the eye ER and have your face stitched up and that's just no fun for anyone
0: oh right. i found that little hollow yeah, spot so it's right just, here it, it's a, yeah
1: do it yourself don't do it don't let anyone else do it to you unless you're unless they're a doctor okay but um wow it's it's a powerful thing to know because especially if you know if you're going to bed and you think i'm buzzing still i need to chill out
0: mm-hmm.
1: a soft massage five five seconds there and five seconds there, um, on the other side works And and again, um, I don't like the term biohack, but it is a a way of using your own biology to serve what your your needs are. Right. And by doing that, it um, goes straight down to a bit in your heart called the SA node that stops it beating so fast, which is ideal, especially if you're in a stressful situation. And if you can have a chance to sit in that situation and give yourself a little massage, it works. It's quite a drastic one because you're, you're playing with stuff that literally controls the stuff that keeps you alive. But if you do it in a way that you understand and you know your body. So I don't just straight away do it because I'm in a car crash and just massage my throat. That would be less than optimal, but practice first before you do it. And then you know you and you know how you work because everybody's completely unique and it'll work differently for different people. It'd be interesting to try
0: that and, and to, in fact, track the HRV yeah. at night, like perhaps do that, a few rounds of that before going to sleep and see if those HRV yeah, numbers change at all.
1: It's an interesting experiment and it's... Um, how your body works and how you respond to it right right wow interesting stuff uh okay so
0: looking at the origins of oh i know what i want to ask you going back to the trauma piece i've always been fascinated by the different origins or types of trauma that we humans experience and the fact or the seeming fact that you know you mentioned a trauma could be seemingly ins- insignificant like you're thrown in with the new babysitter yeah. and you might experience that as some extreme abandonment meanwhile i have a babysitter that comes over and hits me in the head with a frying pan
1: yeah
0: and that's my trauma but it seems to me and i think this comes out of my direct uh, association with a lot of people recovering from uh, drug and alcohol addictions and stuff is that you know, getting the backstories on so many people, there's universally some kind of trauma, but it seems as though many of us experience some more subtle forms of trauma and some more extreme forms of trauma in the same way. And that it's almost as if the net result it equals itself out. In other words, the degree of trauma that each of us experience in many cases seems to
1: be subjective. It's all subjective. And, in
0: that my, yeah. you know, like maybe, okay, for another example, say I'm the middle child and I'm the golden child mm. and I was good at sports and I got good marks in school. And so there's these insane expectations put on me by my family. And then, you know, maybe the oldest child gets totally ignored and gets no love or no attention and has no expectations. It's like, each of us are going to experience the same trauma and still have to kind of undo that later on. Yeah. And maybe the youngest kid, you know, experienced some horrific violence or some sort of uh, violation of some kind, right? And they're still going to have it. And that's what I find so perplexing about the trauma piece is that we each experience it kind of at our own level. Yeah. And the degrees of it seem to vary with the exception of, you know, extreme cases of, you know, Abuse and violence yeah. and torture and things like that that are on the, the higher ranges where someone could become, in fact, quite psychotic as a result yes. of and, that, right? And you
1: have the disassociation piece that I spoke right.
0: about earlier. But aside from <sighs> yeah. that, do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like I, I meet people that they're totally screwed
1: up and nothing really happened to them. Their yeah. trauma was so subtle. But that's your perspective. That's your, that's your perspective. Right. But to them, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and I think that's something that's quite a struggle with how everything's portrayed in media and TV and um, fiction because what's traumatic for me may be, not, may be a nil, nil point for you because I've done worse than that. And I, I, I served, I was in a foxhole or I was in a massive car crash or I was abused. Your trauma of being a, um, a perception of being abandoned as a child is, is nothing to me, which is true because for you, you your experience is different. But my, my experience is equally valid, just not as quite as dramatic. And there is um, a study that's linking a genetic variable to uh, people who get PTSD. So um, everyone experiences trauma universally. That's something that happens to life. That's, that's part of being a human being this experience on this planet. But not everyone will get PTSD. And so there's um, a link genetically to how susceptible we are to this trauma experience, which I think is quite interesting because they've also linked that to fibromyalgia as well. So the, um, the link for trauma to fibromyalgia in um, genetic predisposition to that means that some people are literally coded in the womb to be um, susceptible to traumatic response. Mm. So we have, in my understanding, two types of PTSD. We have PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's being rebadged as stress response. So it's not disorder, it's just how we respond to things. And we have complex PTSD and complex PTSD is many varied situations of trauma that we have during our lives that build in these really powerful negative emotions and negative coping mechanisms, be it flashbacks, be it insomnia and all this sort of stuff that's really quite potent in complex PTSD. And then we have PTSD that comes from maybe I was in a bad, I in a bad car crash and I had to be extracted and I had to spend six months in ITU and whatever, but that's one instance. Um, complex ptsd is many incidents that compound into it so lots of um childhood um, childhood problems evolve into complex ptsd and then we have normal trauma that um we all deal with from day to day with the babysitter being looking after us or i didn't get the sweets i wanted for my birthday or all this sort of stuff that just builds just gently into our into our unconscious and then all of a sudden rears its head when you're 28 years old and realize you can't make a commitment in a relationship because of all the little traumas that you've had whereas actually Joe who's been in his um, in his um, car wreck has got his PTSD that's um, giving him flashbacks and nightmares but then there's Sarah who's had an entirely abusive childhood with um, all the things, that the traffickers that go with that that's given her this experience and now she can't even go outside the house because she's completely activated in her trauma response that means that she's Isolated and it's getting worse because every time she opens the door, it happens again, it triggers again and it just compounds. So we have this really big spectrum of trauma from relatively quote-unquote mild that still affects people to stuff that um, is quite debilitating and needs a really intense psychological and pharmacological management to even get to a place where you can unpick it using other methods.
0: Interesting. And would you say that... uh... Kind of chronic or acute sensations of anxiety and depression and some of these things are born out of those different types of trauma at different times I, in I life? I think
1: my perception and my belief is that a lot of the anxiety, depression, trauma that we're, uh, that we're dealing with in our societies at the moment are linked to tra- the trauma response. Um, anxiety is worrying about stuff that's going to happen, so you're making up um, stories in the future. And if you're suffering with anxiety because actually i'm spending all day scrolling on instagram and looking at all these other people that are living their best life <laughs> and actually this is making me right. anxious because i'm, I'm sitting in a call center answering phones all day what's going on this 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 person she's on a beach she's striking a beautiful yoga pose and i'm here right getting yelled at about the late bill what's going on that and that builds that anxiety response because you're worrying about what's going on outside you and that's a behavior that you would have learned at a younger age, that actually what someone else is doing is more important than what I'm doing. And this is all um, the trauma response that we need to be aware of within ourselves. And knowing that anxiety is allowed, it's, um, it's just a poor coping strategy for something that's happened to us. I think, was that the question? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's something that I've seen in your work from
0: uh, looking into it a bit is that there's also seemingly a lot of self-forgiveness in that of, you know, building the awareness of this chain reaction cascade effect that our early life experiences Mm. have and how they manifest in different uh, addictions, obsessions, um, uh, dysfunctional patterns, anxiety, depression, and the forgiveness of ourselves for, for having that experience. In other words, I'm the gratitude for that experience. (laughs) Okay. That's the next uh, (laughs) step. We'll get, we'll get to that. Let's work our way up, Rich. Uh, I think for me, when I'm experiencing some of those things that come as a result, I'm able more to piece it together. Now I'm Mm. like, ah, okay. If I kind of stop and pause and do a bit of self-reflection and inventory, I can see, okay, this situation wasn't really about this person or this situation. It's my shit from the past. Right. And it's, and i have being triggered in this moment, and I find that very useful. I think for some of us that have been doing some work on ourselves for a while, myself absolutely included, uh, there's a self-imposed um, and sometimes outwardly imposed belief or expectation that we should be quote-unquote over that and that we shouldn't be anxious or we shouldn't get angry at someone or you know have a fit or you know, be afraid or get sort of down and depressed and not be able to get out of bed one day and that we should be, you know, at a place where we're, we're over that. So how does the, um, in in your understanding, how does the self-compassion and the self-forgiveness and self-love play into that while not getting complacent and apathetic and just going, oh, this is how I am and I'm I'm an angry person or I'm an anxious person or depressed person. You know, loving yourself, but going, all right, cool, got it. I'm okay. You know, give yourself a little pat on the back and keep it pushing and continue to grow and evolve
1: and heal. I think the knowledge um, as an absolute fact is that we are doing the best we can with the tools we've got. Um, And the tools we've got may not be the best tools. It's like trying to change a spark plug with a um, rusty old Leatherman. It's a tool we've got. We can still do the job, but it's going to cause greys knuckles and stuff. But actually the tools we've got, we're using them to the best of our abilities. And knowing that we are doing the best we can with what we've got is the absolute truth in any human's experience. Because if we weren't doing the best we can with what we've got, we wouldn't actually do it. Because why would we be doing it? Because again, back to our prime prime concern, keep us safe. And if we haven't got the tools to keep us safe, or we haven't got the, the right tool to do the job, we're going to use everything we've got to do the job in the best way it can be. So this is why we have these strategies that cause us problems, because it's trying to keep us safe. But it's not quite the right tool, but it's doing it the best it can. And we're doing the best we can to keep us safe. And yes, that does involve sometimes, so this, I'm, going, I'm staying in bed all day and watching Netflix and eating Cheetos. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a valid strategy. Because, that sounds like a great one. Yeah, and it works. <laughs> because you've kept, it's kept you safe that day. You wake up in the morning, there's Cheetos in bed. I'm, at, um, I'm covered in orange stuff. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't the best way of doing it. But for that moment of time, it kept me safe and... We've got to not hold it against ourselves. And I'm struggled with the word should because that implies someone else's opinion being put on you, because you're giving your power over. And as autonomous human beings that we are, if we keep our power in ourselves and say that I did the best I could yesterday. I need to wash the Cheetos off my face. I need to put the linen in the, in the wash. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna do my thing, and then I'm gonna try again today. I'm gonna do it better today because I've learned from yesterday and knowing that the learning is super important, that even if I do have a shite day, if I'm, if I'm sitting at, looking at, into the bar and going, I really want to drink, I really want to drink, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to go down the gym, or I'm going to go get on the, on the surf, or whatever it is your mechanism is, then knowing that that was a win, it's a micro-victory, it's a victory that you can take from the situation and go, yeah, I, I, I'm not a, a big pile of shit sitting in the bed covered in Cheeto dust, I'm actually out here learning from that behavior and I'm moving forward. It doesn't necessarily have to be a massive, huge, like 100 yard touchdown. It can be literally that grinding out that first and 10, first and just pushing it forward, right down into the end zone and getting there, making sure you're doing it inch by inch by inch every day and knowing your wins come in minute ways. And each win is a win. Breathing, you breathe 24,000 times a day. And if you're suicidal, each breath is a win because I'm still alive at the end of the breath. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. I made it through the day. Brilliant. I I can do that now. Thank you. I've got evidence that I can live the day even though I'm feeling like everyone hates me and that I'm so depressed and the world's going to destroy me. But you've got a win that you can do. You can live your life through that. And then the next day you can do better because you know you've won once and you can step into the victory of that day and go, actually today I'm I'm going to call the helpline or today I'm going to see my doctor and get my meds refilled or I'm going to work out how to get my my copay sorted out or whatever it is I need to do to make sure that I'm having another victory. And again, victories are tiny. It's a game of millimeters, a game of inches that you're going to grind out to make sure that you get that win. And it's... it's a case of just getting over that end zone any way you need to do it. Don't worry about yellow flags. Just get there. Do
0: it. It sounds like um, the key in that is, is the self-awareness and yeah. taking the time. And self-responsibility to, to, in that. Right. To see, okay, right now, the best coping mechanism I can come up with is a pound of chocolate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'm just going to own that. And that's, that's my tool at yeah. the moment, right? And I own it, your tools. And if yeah. you know what it is, if you know, actually, yesterday I ate a pound of chocolate and a tub of ice cream, and I ordered six loads of Domino's. Today, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to eat the Domino's. Right. I'm just going to have the ice cream and chocolate. <laughs> right,
0: right. And
1: again, it's a victory. You've saved yourself 50 bucks. Yeah. Plus, you've not put all that stuff in your body, and you've actually made it out of the house today. So I need to get more ice cream. So I need to go to the shop. Right. So it's, it, um, I think knowing that you can make your wins, your victories, in any which way you choose to have them, and being aware enough of yourself to know, oh, I, I did six hours today. I haven't cut myself. I did six hours today and I haven't thrown up. I've done six hours today. and I haven't even looked at the yum liquor store across the street. I've done six hours today and whatever it is, your win is. And then you know that you've, you've got evidence. You can prove to your conscious mind and your unconscious mind that I can do this. And therefore you can move forward. And forgiving yourself and knowing that, yeah, yesterday was shite. Yesterday was horrible. Yesterday was rubbish. Today's can be better. And it can, only be, be-, it can be better by one tiny fraction of a betterness. I don't know how you measure goodness, but one tiny fraction of betterness and then you're, it's compounded and it gets better and stronger. And it's with whatever spiritual practice you do, especially with yoga around, there's yogas everywhere. And even turning up on the mat to a donation-based yoga session makes a difference in how your body responds. Actually, I've moved myself today. I've sweated a bit. Oh, my, my back doesn't hurt so much. So I don't have to take quite so much tramadol. I can take slightly less oxycodone. I can do this because I've taken a positive action for myself. And you, you get to make these tiny incremental gains in life, micro wins, to get to where you need to be, to away from that point of pain. And it's not a quick journey, it's a journey of months, years, decades. As you said, 22 years. And I'm guessing you're still having your micro wins every day to make Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Sure you just yes. described
0: mine today. Today was waking up in a slightly funky space yeah. and making the effort which took a lot of effort this morning because i was up quite late to make the yoga class you know this morning out in the plaza and i knew i guess my higher self knew that that was going to serve me as hard as it was to like get myself out of the hotel and get my ass over there and knowing it was going to be hot and uncomfortable at times. And I didn't have a mat. I'm like on a concrete yeah. plaza with a yeah, hotel with, towel. With the, with the sun and 180 <laughs> degrees. Not, yeah. you know, not, not uh, ideal in terms of my ego's comfort zone, but there was a part of me and that part that knows what's good for me that did have that micro win. And then I, I was able to actually stack that and to have a really beautiful yeah. day, which has been... Um, Has culminated in this conversation, and and we will. Yeah, and so it might it might not have happened had I woken up and just went, you know what, I should start smoking again. Yeah, I just don't feel well. Yeah, (laughs) you know, or whatever. You know, it's been a long time since I had a cigarette, but I'm thinking of something I could. Kind of justify that yeah. would you know maybe pacify. Well, I'm mean, me. in the
1: Mediterranean. Everyone smokes. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. that's why yeah. it's
0: on mine. You know, I see very like tan, healthy, fit-looking people smoking here. I'm like, how? What do they have? Different tobacco. Yeah. This seems to be working for them. Uh, well, I think that's you know probably a really positive note to end on, Rich. Cool. Thank you you so much. know, um, I, I always like to sort of illustrate a struggle or dilemma, um, a, a way in which many people get stuck. And then um, not leave them hanging with like, so that's what's wrong with you, and you're yeah. screwed. But I, I think that that approach, you know, of just that that patient progress and the self forgiveness and self love along the way, and forgiving ourselves for any regressions that might take place, yeah. and and also giving ourselves gratitude and credit for those those micro wins. And yes, you know, I like the idea of compounding on those and capitalizing on the small wins and over a period of time, you look back and go, wow, shit, I've come a long way. You know, one little micro decision at a time.
1: So thank you for that. Thank you. It's been an absolute honor.
0: Cool. Well, man, what a great conversation. So I got one more question for you. So I've learned a lot from you today as I learned from so many of our guests and I'm sure our audience has too. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you and your work that you might point our audience toward that they can go look up?
1: Um, Peter Levine. He does um, somatic experiencing which is a therapy in California that actually all over the place now that helps to re-embody people who have experienced trauma. And I think that's a really powerful tool to use. And his books are great too. He teaches you all his stuff in his books. Uma Dinsmortilli, she created the Yoganesia path that I follow. Oh, cool. Um, She's currently, I think, in Wisconsin doing stuff. She's she's one of those eclectic ladies that bounce around the world. Um, She wrote a book called Yoni Shakti. Which um, is really powerful in the feminine um, and understanding the feminine body and how the energy and the everything energy and hormones works. And last but not least, my wife, Lisa Lister. She is my absolute inspiration and rock. She's, yeah, everything to me. And she constantly teaches me, challenges me, and stops me getting too egoic. <laughs> as partners sometimes can do yeah. well god bless her
0: she scored on the last name too Lisa oh, yeah. Lister yeah. that's a cool uh, yeah. name she, she,
1: yeah she chose to my name
0: rockstar name yeah. alliteration yeah I love it alright dude well uh, where can we find you website, social media anything you want yeah, to share um, with
1: people I'm at richardlister.com or richlisteruk on various social medias and yeah um, if you need help please reach out to me because I'm that's what I want to do I want to help people
0: awesome man will you help me thank you so much well, thank
1: you it's been an absolute honour
0: well, there we go. Banged out another episode of the Lifestyleist Podcast. Again, if you're a newbie, if you just showed up here and you made it this far into the show, I'd love for you to share this with a friend. And if you're a longtime listener, I want to thank you. As I said in the intro, maybe even by the time I record this outro, we're at 3 million downloads. Well, maybe not, but I'm sure by morning we will be. Uh, so I just want to take a moment to thank you again. I always say this at the end of the show. I think I get sentimental when I do the outros because I'm like, ah, here we go, you know, another episode complete. But I got to tell you, and this is so real and authentic, you guys listening. And I meet so many of you now when I do events like the Health Optimization Summit, September 14th and 15th in London, um, that now I have a more interpersonal relationship with so many of the listeners. Um, Of course, there are many more thousands that I will never meet. Uh, So this is my way of kind of expressing my heart, but I'm just so grateful in my life for all of the crap that I've been through and all the work that I've done to be in a position now to meet people like Rich and so many other brilliant, creative, kind, resourceful people uh, who are doing great things in the world. And I get to sit down with them in most cases in person and um, have these conversations, which for me are, are much more than conversations. They're or sort of like healing sessions, or investigations, or excavations um, into the things that really make life worth living. And these are conversations that I would be having with people, whether or not I had a podcast or not. This is the stuff that I talk about. I'm not much for small talk. I mean, I might talk about, hey, do you notice the chemtrails today? Yeah, weather's interesting. But uh, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be talking about the Dodgers or the Lakers or. Any of that? No offense, if you do, if you love small talk, great. But I like to go deep. Uh, I like to get a, a further understanding of the human experience, why we're here, how we can make it um, worthwhile to be here, how we can turn some of the pain and suffering that we all experience into valuable lessons and grow from them. This is what I'm all about. You know, I'm realizing more and more as I as I get into this stuff after as I'm about 23 years into just being completely obsessed with my spiritual evolution, my physical health, all the things that I'm into, uh, I'm into alleviating suffering and finding effective ways to live life that make life happier, more joyful, to experience more love. And when I find people that are also doing that, it brings me such great pleasure to be able to extract their wisdom, knowledge, and experience and share it with you. So that would not be possible if you weren't listening. You know what I mean? So thank you so much. Again, if you want to uh, help support the show, easy way to do it, man, is just always go to lukestory.com forward slash store. That's lukestory.com forward slash store. In my store, all you're really going to find is links to all my favorite stuff. I don't sell anything. I don't ship anything. I'm sitting here in my in my house, in my podcast studio. I have a kitchen full of this stuff, but I'm not going to give you my stuff. But what you will find there is links to a very tightly curated And put together a collection of everything that I think is really great for your health and well-being. Uh, Not the least of which being some Blue Blocks, blue blocking glasses, which you can find there. You can also get them at blueblocks.com. Best yet, though, the coolest thing is that you get discounts on stuff in most cases. So a lot of people write in and be like, oh, I can't afford all this stuff. Well, I get it. And I always say the best biohacks are free. Hugs, sunshine, uh, ice baths, you know, this kind of stuff. But uh, if you want to get into the tech side or the supplement side, I really, really do my best to get a discount on everything on my site. So Blue Blocks is 15% off uh, with the code Lifestyleist. You can get some Four Sigmatic medicinal mushrooms and herbs there or foursigmatic.com forward slash the LIFESTYLIST. The code there is the Lifestyleist. Save 15% off. And then Organify. I just tried a new product they had tonight. Oh, damn it. This is so embarrassing. It's in my kitchen. I think it's called Glow something. Yeah, it's red. And it's all of these um, like collagen synthesis activators, like uh, all these natural forms of vitamin C and things like that. Very cool product. And I I'd kind of stuck it in the cupboard and busted it out earlier today. I was like, oh, damn, I looked at the ingredients. This is bomb. So I'll remember what that's called for sure. But I think it's called Glow. It has a red label. And you can find all of their stuff over at Organifi.com forward slash Luke. The code there is lifestylelessness 20% off. You know, in these discounts, you guys, it's like, oh, 15%, whatever, why bother? Some things are quite expensive and these discounts kind of add up, you know? So you might go get some blue blocking glasses and I don't know what they are, 50 bucks, 70 bucks, 150, whatever it is. But you start throwing some things in your cart, because I know this myself, I'm always on the hunt for discount codes. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you've got a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff in there and then you pop in a 20% code. You're like, shit, I just saves 20 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever it is. Sometimes I save a lot of money with the codes because I'm a complete vitamin junkie and place big orders that I probably shouldn't and end up with a kitchen that has three times more supplements than it does food. But anyway, that's my own drama. I'll save it for my mama. Listen, uh, join me next week. For uh, a show. What's next week's show? Uh, let me see. Do, 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 do. Oh, damn. Next week's show is a solo show also recorded in Mallorca, Spain. It's called Removing the Blocks to Unconditional Love. That's my workshop at Rama Fest a couple months back here. And um, I normally don't release those on a Tuesday. I normally make shows of me talking, like a bonus episode or something, but I got such positive feedback on this one in particular and a couple of the previous ones I did. Uh, of this of this workshop, that I thought, you know what? I'm just going to drop it as a regular episode and see what happens because I'm I won't say proud. That's it's a horrible emotion to um, to thrust upon you as the listener. But um, I'm very grateful to have had that experience. And there were so many listeners in the room, and I don't know. We just had a vibe going, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to push my low self-worth issues to the side (laughs) and I'm going to go ahead and have the courage to put out a solo show on my coveted Tuesday slot. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting your feedback on that. Um, I remember the moment that we shared. It was about an hour, I think, this particular talk in Spain. um, And it was just, it was beautiful. I mean, it really was. It was a special moment in time for me and the people in the room. So I'm looking to expand that room to you and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to catch next week's show and every show to follow, you can make that really easy for yourself by simply subscribing to the Lifestylist podcast. You can do it right there on your app. As soon as I'm done talking in three, two, one, we're out. This episode of the Lifestylist podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.